Our Lord and our God, we do thank you for this Lord's Day. It is the day that you have made, and we rejoice and are glad in this day. And we thank you, Father, for the Word of God that speaks to the people of God. And so many ways, Lord, your Spirit and your Word reaches the deep, the deep recesses of our soul to give us grace to know how to deal when our anger appears overwhelming so that we're not controlled by our feelings but we are governed by the mind of Christ so Lord open our understanding open our hearts help us to be receptive to what you are wanting to say to us today through your word and I pray this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus who is the word made flesh and demonstrated how to deal with anger in healthy ways. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Well, verse 17 is very short. Uh, say it with me. You shall not murder. And that covers a lot of topics. Uh, Jesus speaks about this same verse of Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Now, let me preface the way Jesus handles the Ten Commandments. Jesus is reminding religious leaders who know well the Ten Commandments and are very self-satisfied that they have not broken the Ten Commandments and are justified before God by their works of the law. And Jesus is reminding them, you're not able to do that. And uh, so often in the Sermon on the Mount, he will say, you've heard it said of old. Now he's referring to the Ten Commandments. But I say unto you, and Jesus raises a standard that no one can achieve. And because of that, we need his grace in order to be obedient and become like the Lord Jesus Christ ourselves. So when you read Matthew chapter 5, he's setting up, an all, well, an impossible standard. An impossible standard. But it is a word of caution. Verse 21 says, You've heard that the ancients were told you shall not murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever shall say to his brother, Rekah, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever shall say, You fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. If therefore you are presenting your offering at the altar, and therefore remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Bottom line, how we deal with anger has everything to do with our relationship to God and our relationships with each other. That's the bottom line. And we need Jesus. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. 
That's Jesus living in us through the Holy Spirit. So what God's calling us to do is not out of reach. What Jesus wants us to do with our God-given emotion called anger is not out of reach. Not out of reach. And that's why I enjoy this message about anger. I used to be scared to death of anger. I grew up in an angry family. I went to school with angry people. I was scared of angry people in the church. And I fled from it, and I ran from it. And to my detriment did I do so. And as I got older and couldn't run near as fast, I discovered through Bible study and friends who taught me about anger that I've had an ally all along that I did not know I had. And that I don't have to be afraid of this feeling, this natural God-given feeling called anger. I don't have to run from it and hide from it. And there is a way that it can become a helper to me, an ally to me, a friend to me. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the first part of our message to understand from Scripture is that anger is a powerful, God-given emotion. You're mad, sad, glad, you know, all these uh, emotions that you have. These are gifts from God. God made you with those emotions. Anger, Norman Wright says, like so many other feelings, is neither right nor wrong in itself. The problem lies in mishandling, mishandling our anger. One of my favorite authors on understanding Christian anger and the Christians who get angry and how to deal with anger uh, has written several books. Uh, one of my favorites is his kind of the culmination of all his writing, uh, Dr. Andrew Lester. The, the book's called The Angry Christian, The Angry Christian. And it's a great theological study as well as uh, psychology as well. And he says this, Anger is a God-given emotion which God blessed and called it good. Good. It's what we do with it that it becomes a sin. Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, Be angry, but do not sin with it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And that's how we're going to deal with it. The Bible opens with a story about anger and murder. It's the story of Cain and Abel, the children of Adam and Eve. And the Bible says that uh, the two brothers, Cain and Abel, um, we're getting along pretty well until it came time to go to church. And at the altar, well, the Lord had regard for Abel's offering, but for Cain's offering, uh, he had no regard. God did not accept Cain's offering. So Cain was very angry, and then his countenance fell, which means he felt anger and it took over his physical body. His emotional anger took control of his physical body. His countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, and that's a question that I'll be asking you all through this message today. Why, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you angry? You know, when Jesus came along, he asked the same question. Why are you anxious? 
Well, what's the difference? People who are angry are anxious. And if we're anxious, we're dealing with anger. So God's first question to Cain was, why are you angry? And God in the flesh, Jesus, to the disciples said, why are you anxious? So you can't get away from this issue in the Bible. And you can't run away from it, this issue in relationships with other people either. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? He said, if you do well, if you manage it well, will you not be acceptable to me? And if you do not manage it well, then sin is ready at the door to take control of your life. It is, its desire is for you, but you must master that anger. So we have a challenge from the Word of God that says it's not out of reach to manage your anger. It's not out of reach. And that's the good news of what we're talking about today. Yes, anger is a God-given emotional response to what? What makes me angry? Well, truth is, nothing makes me angry. I choose to be angry. It's a choice I make. Now, why do I choose to be angry? Simply because in my mind and in my feeling brain, you got this thinking brain, you got this feeling brain that's right back here. And this feeling brain was the one that kept you safe from lions and tigers and bears. And you could fight or flight, you know, fight it out, protect yourself, or run faster than the other guy. That's all you got to do is run faster than the other guy and the bear won't get you, will he? You don't have to outrun the bear, you just have to outrun the other guy and the bear won't get you. So that's the feeling part of your brain. This is survival instinct that God gave to us. But complementary to that, and it's continuing to develop until you get about the age of 26, I reminded the chaperones on our trip with, uh, at crossings and youth camp, hey guys, and parents listen to this, age 26, 26, that's when this part of the brain, this logical, rational, thinking, critical questioning part of the brain where life makes sense, you know, adult part, that's when it begins to form completely. So when teenagers act like teenagers, just know that hang in there till they're 26, they'll, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. But when I perceive that something is a threat to me or a principle that I love and hold dearly, then there is an anxiety that built, that's built up in my feeling brain, and anger comes from that. So it's a survival response that God gave you that's kept you alive. It's kept you alive. So anger and anxiety do go together. Now, you say, well, I've heard couples say, my parents were married 50 years and they never got angry. And I'm like, uh, uh, you didn't see it. And it crippled their relationship. Now, if you don't know somebody, let's say on, something comes on the news and this guy does something to somebody else, and you don't know those people, um, you're just like, oh, well, that's just the way life is. It doesn't bother you, does it? But if it happens to you, then something important in your life has been threatened. 
And that's the good side of anger to help you understand what values are important to you, what relationships are important to you. Anger keys up what you value. Anger keys up what's important and who is important to you. You don't get angry at people you don't know or don't care about. We get angry with people that we, that we feel are important to us in some way. In some way. So we're created with this feeling brain down in here that just, you know, it acts just like that without even thinking about it. And we also have this governing brain that we take on, according to Scripture, is controlled by the mind of Christ. That's why we have the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. To present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service of worship. And let your mind be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, be transformed. And so that's the challenge that we have to put on the mind of Christ. Uh, when we are upset, our feeling brain overrides our thinking brain. Anger triggers that fight or flight reaction in our feeling brain. The feeling brain floods the body and the blood and the muscles with something that's called adrenaline. This ensures a maximum blood supply to the organs that need to be active for fight or flight. Adrenaline increases cardiac output by increasing blood pressure, pulse rate, and stroke volume. Getting your blood pressure checked is not a good time when you're angry because it's not going to be realistic. Your blood vessels are dilating. Other uh, vessels in your body are constricting, and oxygen is increasing to the heart that needs it the most because it's trying to pump, 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 pump. Blood sugar levels are elevated with increased energy to your muscles. So angry people can be very strong. Can be very strong. Now the question is, can you get addicted to anger? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Had a church down in Louisiana. This is my first church out of seminary. And they fought like cats and dogs all the time. I mean, I've never seen so much fighting in all my life. And I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, why are these folks fighting among each other all the time? I mean, if I was in conflict with people like that, why do I want to be the first one at Sunday school on Sunday morning? It just, it just didn't make sense to me. And the Lord spoke to me then. He said, they like it. They are addicted to it. It gives them a sense of awakening. It gives people a sense of, I'm alive. My heart's pumping. My blood is flowing. I'm not apathetic anymore. I'm angry and energized. And the adrenaline is flowing. And the brain gets addicted to adrenaline. Yes, anger can be addicted. It's a powerful emotion that God has given to you. And it can be your ally. We were at camp with a pastor and his wife, and he told her, he said, uh, 
I've got to get back to the dorm. I'm having boy drama. And she said, boy drama? We don't have, I'm in the girls' dorm. We don't have any girl drama. You can't always say it's the girls that have all the anger drama going on. It's boys and girls. It's men and women. We all deal with anger. So let's talk about how to make anger your ally. Anger is potentially is a potential ally for spiritual maturity. How do we learn to forgive? You know, so we say, I, I just, I want to avoid anger. I want to stay away from it. Uh, I don't want to have to deal with it. Well, according to what Jesus said, we need to learn how to forgive. How would we learn the spiritual tool? How would we develop the spiritual tool of forgiveness if there weren't people in our life that made us angry every now and then? Think about that. This is an opportunity for you to grow in Christ Jesus. And it's been hard for me, but I've learned some things that have really set me free. Jesus said, be reconciled to your brother, your sister, and then come and worship me with your offering. Healthy anger management enriches our relationship with people and with God. Because the people we are angry with are important to us. The issues we are angry about are important to us. So here's step one about managing your anger and making it your ally. Step one, name it. Name it. Acknowledge the anger. Be able to say, I am angry. If we refuse to admit we're angry, uh, what we're doing with our emotion is, uh, you know, the, the swimming pool, y'all going to have a swimming pool outing this, this week or wherever you go swimming, you take a beach ball and you suppress it down in the water and um, then you don't see it anymore, do you? Because it's down under the water. But if you let go of that beach ball, what does it do? Whoop, here it comes back up. Well, anger is like that beach ball. And when we say, I never get angry, we're trying to hold it under. And when we don't acknowledge our anger, we spend the rest of our life trying to hold that beach ball underwater. Everywhere we go, we are preoccupied with that anger, and it comes out in our life some other way. And a day, one day, somebody, something comes along and sort of kicks that beach ball, and boop, comes out of the water, and you've just embarrassed yourself in front of the whole world. It's, it was an awkward moment. You think, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Where did, where did that come from? It's because you've been holding that anger issue and trying to keep it underwater and keep it hid and not deal with it. That's called suppression. Uh, repression is when we push it so far back that it begins to take over our outlook on life and we become very depressed. And a lot of the ways to deal with depression is to begin to find out what have I been angry about that I've been afraid to deal with. The Bible says, be angry and yet do not sin. Uh, and this is how we sin with it. We let the sun go down on our anger. And he says, don't give an opportunity to the devil. When you do this, Satan will use that suppressed anger to hurt you. And God doesn't want you to be hurt. 
He wants you to take that anger and do something constructive with it. So the spiritual maturity part comes in when we can say, I have anger. I am anger, angry. Uh, when anger is unspoken, um, we are withdrawn. We are defensive. Uh, we make uh, bad choices. And we need to be able to say, I am angry. We also need to be able to say, and now hang on to this. This, this set me free one day. When I am around someone that's angry, I no longer, I found out that I no longer had to take over their anger and try to make them happy. I can't do that, and that's not my job. My grandma said every tub got to sit on its own bottom. You know what I mean? And it's freeing for me to say, he is angry, she is angry, they are angry. Rather than letting them anger, their anger determined my feelings. Does that, does that make sense? And that, that little understanding has helped me a whole lot. So that I don't have to take on everybody's anger that I'm around. Now, there are some things that we do need to be angry about that God gets angry about. Yes, God gets angry, according to the scripture. God is angry about abortion. God is angry about abuse, whether verbal or physical. God is angry about human trafficking. God is angry about greed. God is angry about immorality. God is angry about war. God is angry when his churches refuse to do what he says, to go into all the world and make disciples. And he said in the book of Revelation, I will remove you from your mission. God gets angry, but it is to accomplish his purpose and bring glory to his righteousness. So that leads me to step number two. I need to claim my anger. I need to be courageous and say, I have anger. It is my anger. And then ask myself, Am I making a healthy choice with my anger? What am I angry about? Is my anger based on fact or perception? Is my anger based on fact or perception? I had a friend one time tell me, you're not paranoid. People really are trying to get you. Well, is it fact or is it hearsay? Is it fact or is it as I look through my glasses, my lenses of life, something that I perceive. My choices are to work it out with that person, or if I can't do that, work it off with exercise and conversation and blow off steam, not at the person, not at the dog, and not at people I work with, but just go somewhere where you can yell as hard and as loud as you can. And then ask myself, why is this anger issue something I'm carrying around all the time? Why is it so important to me? Even anger toward God needs to be expressed. And I confess to you, after my son Daniel passed away, my journey of anger with God. And God did not run away. 
God knew already that I was angry with him. And God loved me enough to say, come on, say it. Because when you say, God, I'm angry with you, guess what you're doing? You are entering into an authentic conversation and relationship with God. It actually brings you closer to the Lord to express your anger with Him. So claim it. Name it, claim it. Number three, aim it. Make a healthy choice. What will I do with my anger? Well, Jesus said, communicate with the source. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point the fault out uh, with the two of you alone. And if the member listens, you've regained that member. Number two, express anger to a trusted friend. A trusted friend. Not a gossiping friend, but a friend who can hold confidentiality and express your anger. Talk it out with a trusted friend, even if you have to pay an hour to go do it. It's worth it. And number three, try writing it down. What am I angry about? Who am I angry with? And what are my choices? What are my choices? Keep a journal. And once you can put it down on paper, then you begin to get control of the choices that you're about to make with your anger. So be angry, but do not sin. Learn to manage your anger as an ally toward more authentic, genuine relationships with other people that you have experienced disappointment, other people that you have experienced hurt and offense. Because you're angry at each other, you have, you're saying, I value the relationship so much that I want a better relationship with you, a healthier relationship with you. There's hope for two people that are angry with each other. There's no hope in apathy. I would rather deal with anger than apathy. Apathy is like raising the dead. Anger is two people alive that have hope that our relationship can be better and that God can intervene and that I can grow and they can grow and we can grow together. So in anger, folks, there is hope. There is hope. So, Brother Tom, no need to run from it anymore. No need to hide it anymore. And no need to take on your anger as your pastor either. I can just walk around now and say, you know, that guy's angry. That girl's angry. Look at that guy. He's angry. That bunch of deacons over there, they're angry. But I don't have to take it on as who I am. And boy, that goes a long way to owning my anger and deciding how it can be an ally in my relationship with, I say deacons, just groups in the church, um, people in the church, people outside the church as well. We sin in anger when we use it to kill other people. Words can kill. That's how powerful words are. And I caution you, 
that you name your anger, claim your anger, and then aim your anger appropriately so that you are not guilty of slaying another. Does that make sense? It does shake your head like this. Okay. Well, if you don't agree with it, come back next Sunday. I got more sermons <laughs> from the Ten Commandments. Well, I want to say thank you for your patience with me. Second sermon I preached here, I called y'all a chicken for wearing a weapon. And you got over it. And I told a group I was in session with in class and studying what I'd said, and I said, I apologize the next Sunday. They said, what? From the pulpit? I said, well, yeah. Because I'm learning that the relationship of Ekron Baptist family is more important than my pride of the words I choose. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I hope so. So thank you for your patience. And thank you, Lord, for being patient with us in this monstrous gift that you've given to us with magnificent potential but can be a monster when it's uncontrolled. So, Lord, may we be clothed with Christ. May we put on Christ in such a way that every word that we say has been screened by the Holy Spirit and our Lord Jesus Christ as well, who himself was angry, but spoke the truth in love. And may we speak the truth in love with each other on this journey down the road to God's holy heaven. Now it's time for someone in this worship service to come forward and say, I give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I need to be baptized. I pray they will come during this song that we're going to sing. Perhaps someone would like to unite with our church from a sister church of like faith and order. We pray they will come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.